0: I know it's weird to say i was so happy to see men crying on television but their teammate their friend their colleague was in real danger
1: yeah that's a a very real situation occurring right in front of their eyes so you would be remiss to not cry and be really cold i think you people would probably look at you really odd if you had no emotions towards that because at that point you are looking at a situation of life and death there's not really much else that matters
0: You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Gabe Howard. And calling into the show today, we have Toby Bamtefa. Toby's a television actor best known for roles in The Witcher, Tin Star, and most recently, Mayor of Kingstown alongside Jeremy Renner. He currently resides in the UK. Toby, welcome to the podcast.
1: How are you doing, Gabe? Thanks very much for having me, man.
0: Super glad you are here. Now, I want to let you know I'm a 46-year-old man who was raised middle class in a pretty stereotypically blue-collar family. My father drove a semi-truck, and my mother stayed home with me and my siblings. Now, the messaging that I received surrounding showing emotions and being a man were, were very clear. Men are strong, they don't complain, and they never cry. Were you raised with this kind of messaging, Toby?
1: Yes. Yes, very much so. But my family are quite artistic. Now, I come from a, quite an expressive family. So it was more to do with not showing any emotions towards maybe your responsibilities, especially as a man. You must handle your responsibilities and stuff. If you're going to cry, don't let anybody see it, that kind of stuff. And um, you must not show people your weaknesses and things like that. So yeah. I was hoping that
0: since you were raised in the in the UK, I, be- I believe you grew up near London, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. But I was born in Nigeria, and then I moved to England when I was about uh, ten years old.
0: I was really hoping that people outside of America didn't have this problem. I, I I know that's sort of wishful thinking, but I was sort of hoping this toxic masculinity thing that we have going on was was just stuck in America. But it sounds like it's it's really pervasive that men are just simply told you can't have emotions.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think there are there are perhaps maybe some links towards the conditioning the colonial conditioning that maybe uh, africans may have may have uh undergone in the sense I, I say this to me that the view of what a man is was quite repressive i think prior to colonization um i think there were various expressions for masculinity in in african societies i know that I know that particularly where my people are from, I'm a Yoruba man. So where, where my people are from, I know that you can have men who are, uh, very multifaceted, also can express forms of vulnerability that isn't typically seen in, I guess, Western society. Um, and all of that was sort of conditioned out of us through maybe religions and, uh, and education and all of that stuff. And, and yeah, and now, now we're here in this world, in this global world now with those sort of, uh, uh Conditioning, I guess the 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 throwbacks of those conditioning, kind of unpicking all of those.
0: You use the phrase repressive; that it was very repressive not to be able to express these emotions. I I love that word, and I felt very much the same way. I had emotions that I wanted to get out, that I wanted to share, but I was specifically told, "No, that is a problem. Don't do it." And of course, you know. I wanted to listen to the people around me. I didn't didn't think they were doing anything wrong. I I thought they were guiding me. And I repressed is a very, very good word here, Toby.
1: Like you said, you repress emotions that you already have. But the problem is that there is no other way or there is no other examples to teach you how to channel what you're actually feeling. So those emotions that you sort of hold or you're forced to hold within yourself have no healthy outlet. And then they compound on each other. And eventually you get what you know as toxic masculinity. You know, people start expressing themselves in ways that are perhaps not very um, conducive to humanity, but there's a reason they're doing that. And that's because it, they have to get this emotion out. They have to express themselves. And a lot of times it's in quite extreme ways. I think that's why I use the word repressive.
0: Toby, you're a public figure. Your reputation and how people see you really matters. It, it matters for how you find work. It matters for how you relate to the public. It just matters a lot. You're you're not the average person in this regard. Are you more worried about being seen as weak considering your your public presence?
1: Uh, No, I'm not worried about that. I mean, I'm cautious, but I'm not worried because I don't like the feeling of not being true. To myself, I don't like the feeling of having to pretend that I'm okay with things, or pretend that I'm not okay, or pretend that I'm okay. I don't like that feeling, so it's it, it doesn't sit well with me, and it sort of it knocks me off kilter. So it's easier for me to just be honest with myself, because if I'm honest with myself, then I think I'll be more comfortable around everybody else. So I'm geared towards my own comfort in that sense, and and what what feels soothing to my soul. But in order for me to have that, I have to. So I've had to be able to sit with myself for a long time and, um, you know, be able to face my own truths and things like that in order to just come to that state of being.
0: I have trouble personally. I'm I'm kind of in your camp. I I just wanted to live openly with bipolar disorder because, frankly, I was just tired of hiding it. And it made me feel bad all the time but many people still to this day even with the level that i've reached as a mental health advocate as a, as a podcaster as, as somebody who's been in the space successfully for a very long time there's still people in my own life and family that are like well you know gabe you could just not tell people nobody's gonna know you could just hide it and there's this little piece of me and this is this is my question toby there's this little piece of me that's like yeah i could I could solve myself all this discrimination, all of these stigma, all of these questions, all of this problem by just keeping my mouth shut. Do you ever feel that way that you could just put on a, a public persona, g- grab a public relations person, a publicist, and just be like, Hey, I'm a tough guy from the UK. And just, you you could just put that out there. Like I, it, it seems like that would be relatively easy. It, it, it seems easy for me. So I have to imagine it's, it's probably easier for you. Why not?
1: Uh, it's, Just hide, Toby. Hide, <laughs> because I would know. That's why I would know. It. That's the reason I would know that I'm not. I'm not this tough guy. I'm not Clint Eastwood. You know, I would know that when I'm sitting by myself at home, or, or even sitting with with my wife or sitting with my family. I know that I'm not that person, and I can't. I, I don't. I've cultivated too much self respect to then sell myself short like that. That is one
0: of those easier said than done things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is you're right. You are right. It isn't a hundred uh, um, percent solution, I and mean, it's not a one size fits all either. But um, what I said is is more to do with how to find your own way of developing skills that enable you to deal with your life as it comes at you. One of the things that I used to do, and one of the things that some of my family members also used to do, was we would um, just if we were feeling any particular way, we were encouraged to just to paint, to make a mess or something like that. And that, that sometimes got the angst out. I'm not a painter. I, I use my words, so I write stuff and that, that also helps as well. But it it, it wasn't a hundred percent, but it definitely took the steam out of it. And um, it helped me get to the next sort of uh, uh, island, the next sort of uh, sanctuary for dealing with the angst or the anxiety or even the depression that I was, that I was going through. In, in whatever period. And, and it wasn't something that it's, it wasn't some, I, I had to understand it from the place of, it wasn't something that would, that would solve itself immediately. This is something that I, that I had to consider might take a couple of days, a week, a month, maybe even the year. But as long as I kept, I was active at trying to do something that in itself was quite beneficial to me.
0: As I'm listening to you talk, I, I'm thinking about the similarities and the differences in our upbringing. The, the similarities are we, we both receive sort of this, you know, men are supposed to be emotionless and stoic and strong. But then the differences are you were encouraged to seek out art and painting. Yeah. And th- those are not stereotypically male
1: activities. Um, with my family, like I said, I come from a very artistic family. So there are singers in my family. My father was an actor. So is my mother. My mother is also, she's not just an actor, she's an artisan. She makes things with her hands. My dad's cousin owns an art gallery in Nigeria. We were exposed to all of these different ways, all of these different forms of expression, self-expression. It's, it's almost like, you know, you mentioned, in order for you to even access your emotions, you need to have the words for it. You need to understand the terms so that you can so that you can see what it is and know what it is. It was that. We also, I played basketball as well. I played basketball at a national level, but sports wasn't the only access or the only thing that I knew to use to express myself. Um, I, I guess I was fortunate with my, my family's upbringing, but where I had issue, perhaps not an issue, but where I may have um, struggled with anxiety and and, and and things like that was in my failure to succeed in these endeavours. That was the pressure. We had to take the responsibility. If we were going to do certain things, we had to do it with the mentality of success. And if you didn't success, you were considered a failure, that kind of stuff. So it sort of took the expression out of it. So I had to sort of almost, I don't want to say do it in secret, but I kind of had to do it without being able to express myself, but also expressing myself in the meantime at the same time. But not a be not being allowed to fail. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I really do
0: think that you are making sense, Toby. It it sounds to me like you were allowed to pursue artistic endeavors, but toxic masculinity sort of sat on top of it, right? You were allowed to pursue yeah. acting and art, et cetera, but you better not fail. You better yeah. win. So it, it became less about the enjoyment and more about the winning, which, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it it sounds like that probably made it a less enjoyable activity.
1: Yeah, yeah, for um for the most part, because a lot of it also was to do with, the the environment. Like like I said, I, I come from Nigeria and I moved to England. So there was a bit of a survivalist mentality in that sense. I think since talking to since talking to other Africans in the diaspora, it's sort of something that prevails within that within the African community, especially the West African community. There's this uh if you're going to study something, if if it wasn't the three major subjects, it was you had to be like really successful in, in whatever it is that you did. Right. But like I said, that is the survivalist mentality prevailed simply because there was also other things that we had to deal with. L- looking for a job was particularly difficult. Having to go to school and people are spitting at you, like that kind of stuff. Like I was having to deal with stuff like that. Then you also have responsibilities at home. I have a younger brother. I have to protect him from the bullies and the you know this that from the people outside and you know teaching might knock you knock your your confidence down a little bit. With some with some unsavory words or unsavory pieces of advice that you know is clearly not true, like things like that. It, it was almost like you don't have this the energy. There's no space to feel bad about what these people are doing. What you need to do is you need to survive. So don't cry. You can cry later, but don't cry now. That that was the that was kind of what sat on my head. So I, I guess that that was just going into a little bit of detail about the emotional <laughs> the emotional um, dance that I had to do in, in my artistic expressions.
0: Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me, Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living
1: well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com IBP to learn more.
0: Subscribe now so you don't miss out. And we're back with actor Toby Banteffer from Paramount Plus's mayor of Kingstown. Recently here in the States, we had an NFL player who almost died on the field. It looks yeah. like he's gonna be fine, and, and that's that's wonderful. But here's the thing that struck me, Toby. You mentioned about you're not allowed to cry, you're not allowed to cry, you're not allowed to cry, and yet I watched it. I've seen you can you can go and YouTube it right now. These players, these NFL football players, right? The man in the arena, the 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 strongest, most toughest men we have in America, were openly crying. They they weren't trying to hide it. They were they were scared, and they were crying on national television. Is this a moment where we're starting to see this this get better?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's fair because that that's a a very real situation occurring right in front of their eyes. So. <laughs> you would be remiss to not cry and be really cold. I think you would, people would probably look at you really odd if you had no emotions towards that because at that point, you are looking at a situation of life and death. There's not really much else that matters, especially if it's a loved one. Yes, these are men with big muscles and they, they are lifting considerable amounts of weight and you know they're able to break bones and run at speeds that we can't even fathom and stuff. But they are, at the very heart of it, they are also human beings with families and love. They have love within them. It's good to be able to see that that is the most important part of it. None of them will be doing what they're doing if it wasn't for the love that they have for the game, the love that they have for their families, the love that they have for their teammates.
0: Toby, I really want to draw attention to what what you said about crying is the right response, being emotional is the right response. This is playing out in real time because the alternative you're absolutely right is to just sit there and not care. Yeah. And you can say well they care on the inside but not on the outside. But I mean, now we're just having a semantics argument. If I turned on the TV and saw that moment and they were just all standing around looking at their watches wondering when they could go back to the locker room or resume the game, we'd think wow, they're all a bunch of sociopaths, but at the same time, if, if they're openly weeping, if they're crying, if they're hugging each other, comforting each other, there is a contingent of the population in America. That's like, why are they being this way? What They're, they're being wimps. They're being wimps. It just, is this the, one of the big problems facing men that no matter what you do, there is a large contingent in society that's going to criticize it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that People will always say stuff anyway, so you might as well just be who you are, do what you want. But also, but it's really important to acknowledge that I said this earlier, what somebody says, what somebody says about you or about whatever you're going through says more about them than it does about you. So people who do say things like that, I like to look at those kinds of comments and who is saying those kinds of comments, and I wonder what kind of person would say something like that because it's clearly not about me. What are you going through that would enable you to say something so far removed from the current situation you are looking at? You know? How can you look at somebody who is literally on the verge of life and death and then turn around and say, Oh well, you know, they're men, why are they being wimps? Blah, blah, blah. Like what, <laughs> how cold do you have to have been? What kind of upbringing do you have? Like those kind of questions come to mind for me. And when I do that, I start analyzing that person, and like I said, it sort of, it kind of takes me out of the situation. I no longer take it personally. For you to have said what you said, well, I don't know what you're going through, but you need to sort that out. That's how I feel.
0: You know, Toby, I think about the older generation a lot. I, especially being a mental health advocate, I watch, you know, my dad, my grandfather, my my older, uh, you know, uncles, and again, in my family, stereotypically blue collar, they. They do act like men, right? The the stereotypical men with with all of the problems that go with that. And, And here's one of the things that fascinates me a little bit. If I come home and they're doing any sort of physical task, you know, mowing the lawn, working on the house, painting, the first words out of their mouth is, you can help me. You can help me. Come over here. You can help me. They're doing something physical. They see me walk up. They're like, boom, asking Gabe for help. But if they have any sort of emotional problem, mental problem, it's like pulling teeth. It's the whole family knows they're upset. They know they're upset. They know that they're scared, angry, whatever emotion. And you can't get it out of them for nothing. You know how many boxes I've carried up into the attic just because I was (laughs) in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I have to beg my father to tell me what's bothering him. What are your thoughts on all of that? Do you have this problem in your family too?
1: um i guess it was more with my uncle actually my my mother's younger brother uh he passed away a couple of years ago but it wasn't until after he passed away that i think i understood why he he did things like that so my uncle was a bit of a motorhead he loved cars engines big engines you know that kind of stuff and um he would always try to i think Every time he asked me to do some sort of manual, or I think some sort of manual labor, maybe asked him, asked me to do something like that. It felt like his way of trying to ask me for help on a deeper level. It was an emotional ask that he couldn't express. That was the only way he knew how to express it. It had to be disguised as manual labor we have to be doing something manly in order for me to get in touch with my emotional side and even then it's like it's almost like you're reading between the lines sort of thing so you you kind of have to be a little bit of a mind reader but i was too young to understand that then but now in retrospect i feel like my uncle was drowning and every time you know he asked me to help him move boxes or help him empty out this house or whatever it was or maybe help him come and fix the car and things like that it was it was that and it's not like we were saying much He would just say certain things. And sometimes there will be, he would say something, one comment, which is completely unrelated to the task we had. And I would be thrown for a loop, trying to understand why he said that. It wasn't until after he passed away and after, you know, I reflected on, I've been reflecting on his death, that I guess I kind of understood really. Like, yeah, he he was really trying to reach out and he just didn't know how.
0: I think it's an incredible point that if you have strong emotional health and you have strong mental health and the people around you have weaker mental health rather than be angry at them about it or uh, you know, brand them as being too masculine or having toxic masculinity or, or all of the phrases that come up a lot, why don't you look at them as having a deficit that you can help with seeing as – you know, you're in a place of stability. I, I think it's a beautiful story that you bring up. And even reflecting on my own life, I think of all the conversations I had with the, 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 the strong males. I'm just going to go with strong yeah. men in my yeah. life that came after a day of work while, you know, they're sipping beer and they're like, yep, yep. Things are going okay. Well, I, I wish yeah. I had a little bit more money though. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. What you're, are you opening up? Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably missed these opportunities.
1: Yeah. You could you could quite easily feel guilty for missing those, but at the same time, it's like sometimes it could just be they needed an ear. And also, there is only so much I can understand just from, from my own perspective. Because we're we're all we're all sort of going through this this life trying to figure it out as we're going along. There isn't really a blueprint for our individual lives, our individual lives, you know, plan out and stuff. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of figuring out we have to do. It's just I guess one of the things that we as humanity has to cultivate is the skill of listening to understand, but not just understand on 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 a basic level, but to have much deeper understanding. And maybe the only way we can access that is by really understanding ourselves and coming to terms with our own truths, but not to also feel bad. Guilt can be a very unhelpful, unhelpful feeling to have when you're trying to understand somebody, you know, you can only reach somebody and they can only reach you on the level that they're at. They can't reach any more or less than that.
0: Toby, I think that's a beautiful sentiment, and and I I really do feel that we're having more conversations about mental health, and we're having more conversations about men's mental health than we ever had before. I've been a mental health advocate for well over a decade, and I can honestly say in the last 18 months, more men have stood up and said, look, I need help. I want help. I'm searching for help. I want to openly discuss this, and it's okay, than ever before in my career, and I think that is wonderful. I want to thank you for being willing to talk about it because after all, it, it starts with prominent men being willing to stand up and say, look, this is important and it's okay. Let's get through this together. So kudos to you for helping be one of the people who are leading that charge.
1: Thank you, Gabe. Thank you very much for, for this platform to be able to express that because too many people have, have lost their lives simply because they weren't able to express the angst and the anguish that they were repressing and it's it's really sad because we've lost i've lost people i've had people who who are currently in the grips of of that kind of turmoil and i just want to be able to say to them that it's okay to say it to say what you're feeling it's okay to express what you're feeling and it's okay to also find other ways of expressing what you are feeling um It it, it was beneficial for me to have a safe space in order to do that also. So yeah, I found my safe space and I cultivated my safe space.
0: Toby, thank you so much for being here. And for all of our listeners, check out Mayor of Kingstown on Paramount Plus right now. And also check out Toby's Instagram. It is at Toby Bantefa. It's very, 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 very cool. Right, Toby?
1: Yeah, that's right, man. That's right. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, Twitter as well. All the same, Toby Bantefa. And yeah, man, I've just um, doing some promo stuff. We're airing um, *Mayor of Kingstown* season one on Paramount Plus, and uh, season two is currently out right now on Paramount Plus. Catch it all on there. And yeah, man, just just look out for some more stuff that I've got planned, and hit me up on that, man.
0: Thank you, Toby, so much for being here. And a big thank you to all of our listeners as well. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm an award-winning public speaker who could be available for your next event. I'm also the author of Mental Illnesses and Asshole and Other Observations, which is on Amazon. Or you can get a signed copy with free show swag or learn more about me by heading over to GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this episode, please follow or subscribe to the show. It is absolutely free. And hey, can you do me a favor? Recommend the show. Share it in a support group. Share it on social media. Hell, send a text. Sharing the show is how we grow. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.